This is episode 15 with Chloe Freitag. Welcome to the Manifest Miracle Show with me, Meg Sylvester. This is a podcast all about spirituality, mindfulness, and our connection to the deeper world realm. Tune in to hear stories all about people who have turned the ordinary into the extraordinary. Gain insight and inspiration to help you live a life that feels divinely guided and on purpose. So come with me and let's manifest miracles. If you have ever felt like you don't have what it takes, if you have ever felt like you're not good enough, if you have ever felt like your body isn't cut out for your dreams, if you have ever let self-image or a negative self-perception stop you in your path, I encourage you to listen to this episode. Chloe, as a professional ballerina, has dealt with her fair share of receiving toxic messaging, trying to convince her that her body wasn't cut out for being a professional ballerina. Chloe has risen above it and is now focused center stage as a professional ballerina. She does so much good work in the world to advocate for awareness when it comes to the messages that you are integrating, are they empowering or are they disempowering? Chloe is a passionate advocate for body image and self-love, for stepping into your dreams and activating those dreams with a powerful and healthy mindset. As a yoga and meditation teacher, Chloe shares with us her toolbox including a 30-second meditation that has the capacity and power to completely shift the energy. And she teaches us that meditation in the podcast. It's really powerful. It's the first time I've ever experienced it, and I loved it. So tune into this episode. I know it will empower you. I know it will leave you feeling uplifted. It's also super interesting to learn more about the ballet world. Chloe is a professional ballerina who dove into yoga and meditation as she navigated her career. She's been teaching since 2014, has a Bachelor's of Science in Health and Wellness, and brings her raw and real personality to every class while also nurturing and supporting her students to be exactly where they are and work from that space. She's a Reiki master and certified in vinyasa, kundalini, prenatal, and postpartum yoga. She and her husband, Chris, host annual retreats to India, where they originally met, and they cherish combining the exploration of traveling to exotic places with the growth and development that regular yoga and meditation practice stimulate. I can't wait for you guys to listen to this episode. Let us know what you think. Enjoy! Chloe, welcome to Manifest Miracles. It's such a joy having you here. Um, Hi, 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 hi. How are you? I'm so excited that we're having this conversation. I'm like such a big fan of yours, which you know, you know, and I I love all the ways that we're able to stay connected even from our like kind of brief meeting um, that's Mm -hmm. turned into such like, I feel a bountiful relationship between the two of us. So I'm so excited to be stepping into your stage and your, your, you know, um, world here having this conversation. So welcome. Yeah. And guys, so Chloe, um, Chloe and I met at a 10 day, 10, I think 10 day, 10, um, 
yoga prenatal yoga teacher training called Kasaway. So this is a Kundalini based prenatal yoga teacher training that we did with the amazing Gurmukh um, in Miami. And Chloe and I, I remember throughout the training, there was this like magnetism. And I think it between between me and you, or at least I was very drawn to you. Um, and then on the very last day, I think it was the last day we did a we did a Kundalini Kriya like a, it was very celebratory and there was a lot of dancing involved. And you and I just like connected and just like <laughs> danced eye to eye and you guys Chloe is literally a professional dancer she's a professional ballerina so I was like okay I'm going for it and I was like 26 <laughs> weeks pregnant so here I am dancing eye to eye with a professional ballerina and I'm like <gasps> but it was just so so much love between the two of us and Chloe and I ever since then have um just stayed in touch really through Instagram, just messaging each other, sharing each other's stuff and, and really learning more and more about each other through, right. through our Instagram shares and just really being really unconditionally supportive for one another. And, and we shared a moment, you know, of just chatting, like truly believing that we were sisters in a, in a past life. Like we just have this beautiful connection. So, um, I'm, I'm just so happy to be talking with you and it's been, over a year since we shared that time together at that training. And, and now we get to have an hour or 45 minutes to an hour long conversation. So yay. <laughs> Even, I mean, I think we've, we're a little past the, the year mark, but as, as you were saying, 26 weeks, I'm 26 weeks. Oh my gosh! I didn't even think about that. Yeah, yeah so, so Chloe's like, pregnant. Like in the same, like in a yeah. Oh my gosh, that's really cool. That gave me chills. Yeah, yeah. Something about our babies wanted to be with mm-hmm. <laughs> each other when they were at twenty six weeks sure. gestation. Amazing. All right, Chloe. So I'd love to know what is the coolest thing you have ever manifested, if. That feels like too big of a question. <laughs> what is one of the coolest things you've ever manifested? Oh my gosh. That's like, <laughs> that's such a, um, can I give two examples? Can I give one? Like, of course you can. can I give one that's like small and hilarious and one that's okay. grand and like wild and still doesn't even make sense in my brain. Um, yes. So the first one, so there were these little, um, you probably know about these, the Bala weights. Do you know these? Like, okay. So it's like this super trendy, like ankle weight, um, that are cute, you know, cause ankle weights are not no, normally the most attractive, um, product. And I wanted them to be able to strengthen my ankles, um, doing exercises. I've had many injuries like any dancer. And so I, I, but I liked how small and compact these were comparatively. And particularly there were these ones that had glitter on them. I am like the child that like my walls were painted with glitter. When people asked me my favorite color growing up, (laughs) I do glitter. I mean, I picked a career in ballet on purpose for the glitter. Like I love glitter. (laughs) So I really wanted these glitter Bala weight things. um, And they were discontinued, totally discontinued. They didn't make them anymore. Um, They've since made a comeback, but this at the time they were not for sale. Um, and I was really adamant that I wanted them and I kind of wanted them like right now, you know, like, I was like, <laughs> I need them now. I need these glitter, glitter weights right now. Yeah. I was like, I need these during quarantine to like do my exercises and, you know, have glitter to make me happy. Mm-hmm. So 
anyways, um, lo and behold, you know, do, I did some work for the manifestation of that and put it into the universe and let it go and all these things we know. And um, somebody wrote me on Instagram, like somebody I don't know, and was selling them. Like, so just they just like reached out to you out of the blue, out of the blue. And I still don't even know how she found me. Uh-huh. you better believe I bought them uh, <laughs> that's so funny yeah so that was that's so cool was so- Instagram as a manifestation yeah she, she DM'd me you know like I love it. the glitter ones like exactly just just the universe drop it into your DMs crazy <laughs> sliding I love it sliding in sliding into the DMs so that, was, yes. that was pretty wild and it was so specific um now the the one that's like a more big and took a lot more time to manifest um, was we've had this vision of owning a property somewhere in nature, like deeply connected with nature um, in a raw area near water um, and building a little, you know, cabanas in that property to use for ourselves, to use for travel, to use for retreats, to use for many things. Um, We've held that idea for years, 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 and like done a lot of work to manifest on it. We've checked properties all over the world. Um, and recently, finally, we did that. Um, mm. We have now a property that we just purchased in Costa Rica that we're building mm. on. It's right in the jungle, five minutes from the beach. Um, it was a. Did this come up on your recent trip to Costa Rica? Yes, that's why we were you guys there. found it. That's why we were. Ah, nice. Okay, yeah, we were we were looking again because we've looked many times and kind of thought we found it, but it was never right. Um, and we were looking again, and then we we found this one, and it was in our also in our budget because we didn't have, um, you know, a totally wide open budget to spend upon, and so, um. Yeah, I mean, we we manifested that, and it's literally like mm. I can I remember visualizing it beforehand and seeing the elements. Even like I wanted to even like a creek or a river or something mm-hmm. through the property, and like that's there. Mm, it's there. It's all there. Yeah. Oh. Um, but I also wanted access to the beach where it was like not that big of a deal to get there, but also not quite right on the water because I didn't want the mm-hmm. drama of natural mm-hmm. disasters mm-hmm. coming. Um, so yeah, that that was like that's it still doesn't even believe, like, I don't believe it when I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the picture I painted yeah. and, and it's, and it's here. And wow. Well, I can't wait to see how that all unfolds because I know it's going to be of such high service to, to the collective and to the world. So super cool. Thank you. I'm excited. As you guys heard in the introduction, Chloe is a professional ballerina. She is so vulnerable and and very empowering, not only in the in the dance world, um, but also as a yoga teacher, as a woman, just sharing vulnerably, sharing authentically, sharing where she is on her own journey. And something that you recently shared was this beautiful, I think it was a reel that you made on, on Instagram about um, being fired early on in your career um, for... Uh, say it simply for, for essentially not being quote unquote good enough. Um, and now you are center stage. You're just featured on so many platforms. 
um, the, the videos you share of you just even practicing in studio are, are breathtaking. Um, so I'd love to hear about your journey and what went through your heart and your mind and your life when you were fired. Um, and, and, and how you got to where you are today. So I know there's a lot involved, but like, take us through the highs and the lows. Sure. So, I mean, I would say that's probably the most monumental shift I've had this far in my life. I was only 20 years old um, when that happened. I had been living on my own and dancing since I was 16 here in Miami, uh, which is where I still am. And so I was very young. I was very easily influenced, um, very vulnerable. And when I was fired, not only was I told that I was the worst dancer in the company, but I was also scrutinized for my weight and told that I was too heavy. Um, and particularly, I was told the way my body was shaped was not structured to perform certain um, positions in ballet, particularly like the most important position, which is fifth position, um, that that one just wasn't going to work for the shape and structure of my body. Um, it was suggested I quit, um, which I did, honestly. Um, and at that moment, it was just such devastation, heartbreak. Like I have no no memories of my life that don't involve dance. Like I started mm -hmm. dancing at two because mm -hmm. the preschool had a dance class and I was doing it through the window and you had to be like free oh to go. God, that is precious. Yeah, and my mom was like, can y'all just like make an exception? Please take this child. Yeah, and so, <laughs> so like, this was like a God-given thing. Like nobody in my family dances. Like it's not, it's not something that I was like exposed to. Like this, this is from my soul, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so, to then all of a sudden be in a place where that was um, completely invalidated. And then I, I lost the love of it. Like I was so depressed, mm -hmm. I hated my body so much. I was so then, I felt guilty that I'd given so much of myself to this career. Like I, you know, I went to school online. I left home at 15. I, you know, didn't have any sort of normalcy um, growing up. And um, it just felt like it was all wasted, you know, in that moment. And so, I tried to push myself to audition a little, but it was just so, um, there was nothing left for me to give and I needed some time. And so I quit dancing. I did my teacher, my first teacher training at the time, which was in Vinyasa. Um, and, you know, started to really dive into myself and start to look at these wounds that were so raw and so open. Um, and that process was about a year and a half in total. Um, there were many different uh, experiences that kind of helped to kind of, it almost like break out. Like it's like the shell of the, that wound that was like the armor just like uh -huh. shattered, you know? Um, Kundalini yoga was the main tool for that. Um, and I went on trip. So what do you think, what do you think some of the, can you share with us? And if, if it's not too painful to go back within, but what were some of the beliefs the, the limiting, the limiting beliefs that you maybe internalized and started to believe about yourself for that, that year, or, you know, thinking maybe yeah. you, you weren't good enough, or can, can you remember, do you, totally. did you have that level of awareness back then? You know, maybe not like, maybe I didn't realize what was going on at the time. I was pretty young, but, um, mm -hmm. but I like, looking back it was very basic it was like you know your body is ugly and bad mm -hmm. and inherently mm -hmm. wrong the mm -hmm. word wrong was a big trigger like um, mm -hmm. 
the perfectionist in me, like when I heard wrong was like, you know, like, no, no, um, (laughs) I'm perfect. Can't you see? Um, you know, and so that was like a big feeling of my body being wrong. Um, a lot of then also feeling like completely devalued. Like I had nothing to give because I was like, well, what do I do now? This is all I've ever done. Um, I was going to school online um, for my degree already, but that just didn't feel like the full path for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just, I felt like a lot of my, my limitations were um, basically like I had nothing to offer to society. I had nothing to offer to um, my community, um, which felt very like not enough, you know, like I was so low in my quality of who I was um, because so much of who I was, was attached to who I was as a dancer. Um, Even I had some like friends ask me like, Oh, what's it like to lose your identity as a dancer? And like that, that question was like, like, cause like my whole life, my whole identity was a dancer. Like that's right. There wasn't really another identity. And so it felt like I didn't know who I was. Um, so, you know, and then I, I was really unmotivated as well. I, during that time, I had built up quite a savings um, from working since I was 16. And so I didn't even get a job. Like I didn't work anywhere. I had no motivation. I taught yoga like a couple times a week, but like that was not producing a salary. I was just living off of my savings, you know, completely. And, and you were, you were just in your early twenties at this time. I was 20. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Which is pretty admirable for a 20 year old to have enough savings to. Yeah. I, my like, parents, I'm really lucky had taught me a lot about financially supporting myself and like taught me like I, every check I got, I put 20 bucks you know, mm-hmm. when I started. Cause I wasn't getting paid very much when I was 16. And then as yeah. it came more and more, you know, 50 bucks, hundred bucks, 200 bucks. Like, so I did that for four years and saved thousands, you know? Yeah. Um, so I was lucky I had that fallback. Also, I used that money to go to India, um, which was a big like experience of liberation and, and questioning. And, um, you know, I was, why India, what called you to India? To be honest, yoga, like in general, the curiosity of yoga. And then my Kundalini teacher, who I really dearly respected and loved and still do, um, my puppy is. Hi, buddy. (laughs) About India. Um, But so, you know, I was, I was always respecting him and valuing him and he posted that he's doing a retreat to India and I was like done like I've I've got nothing to do okay come here I'm gonna have to bring him up here to get him to (laughs) so he can he can he can be on camera too (laughs) a little five-month-old baby um so you know he he was posting this that he was doing this trip and I didn't even question it I was like what else it was just like an immediate yes yeah yeah. like I was like I have Mm -hmm. literally no direction. I've got a savings. I've got nothing that's like, I'd have to take time off of. Um, you know, I think I needed something that deep and, um, crazy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. An immersive experience to really shake you, to wake you up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and ironically, or coincidentally, or neither of the above, depending on how (laughs) divinely orchestrated, (laughs) that's where I met my husband as well. Mm, wow okay beautiful so you went on this retreat to India 
after going through essentially a dark night of the soul after yeah being stripped of the identity that your ego had associated itself with of, of a dancer of of a perfect dancer of this right vision you had been and, creating and, for yourself right and another thing that I'm recalling that I was holding like I I'm a fire sign so I'm aggressive by nature in some ways which is good and bad um but I was holding a deep rooted anger for that woman who fired me sure deep of course and I think so oh, many gosh. of us I'm so happy that you 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 shared this because anger our society views anger as um it's not good yeah um and however our society in general is is angry right (laughs) um so we're all like carrying around these feelings of anger and then we're feeling guilty about being angry because we think we shouldn't be angry because that's not like good but anger can be so constructive if we cultivate a relationship with it Mm -hmm. and and learn how to use it as a source of motivation for our highest good not a source of motivation for revenge or you know and we can so so what did it take to get you to that point of like alchemizing that anger to be constructive to be honest kundalini yoga like Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. like consciously or subconsciously there's no way i could have done that on my own like no yeah especially as like in, in your early 20s yeah I mean exactly. well I say especially I think people the older we get the the harder it can become to release anger if we don't right because we we, we just turn stubborn and jaded right, right. so so yeah okay. um, I I can recall actually ironically with Gurmukh a very mm-hmm. specific class because she was teaching in India there was like a festival going on while we were there this was oh, my wow. first experience with Gurmukh as well which was like game changer um, mm-hmm. And I remember doing some Kriya uh, and something with the arms up and open chest and like staring in the sky and just sobbing with forgiveness, mm-hmm. like just this mm-hmm. complete chemical release of, wow, like this is nobody's fault. Like n- nobody's mm-hmm. to blame. I'm not to blame. She's not to blame. Circumstance isn't to blame. My thighs aren't to blame you know mm, um, my thighs aren't to blame <laughs> oh that makes me want to cry you know I was I was sobbing in that moment you know mm-hmm. and it really brings like even just saying it again I get the chills um remembering because it, it was a very clear like from moment to moment release um now that's still not not to say that's been a work in progress it's not like one moment and then my, oh my and then you're like free forever oh, I have the best thighs in the yeah. world you know like it's <laughs> It was a process, but that was, that was like the shift, right? It was, it was the, the door open. Yeah. So this is a big question, but what does forgiveness mean to you? What, what, what does it feel like? What, what are you shifting from and stepping into when you truly forgive? You know, I think that for me, it felt like the complete acceptance that nothing could have been or was supposed to be different mm-hmm. so um you know because part of me was questioning if I hadn't have taken that job because I had a different job before and you know if I had if 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 if, if you know mm-hmm. like, driving yourself crazy I was hired mm-hmm. by this one director who loved me and then she came in and transitioned right mm-hmm. um which is why then I was like totally thrown off guard um and treated very differently because you know dance is a artistic 
uh, endeavor at the end of the day. And it's not just like, oh, did you execute this or not? It's personal, right? Like how we like or enjoy art is personal. So she had every right to have a personal indifference or attitude towards me versus the other guy, right? So, but then questioning of like, well, if he had stayed or if somebody else had come or just all this like um, desire for the past to be something else. All the hypotheticals and- Right. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like the forgiveness was the complete like embracing of the fact that like that's exactly what was supposed to be and is like there's no need for it to have been any different um you know even the, the exact words that were said to me that were like knives in my chest yeah um, were the words that I needed actually you know and I for your own growth right and I think it could have like I, I look back now and at the time I didn't see this but I look back now and I see like that maybe if that kind of a sharp edge hadn't been driven in, I would have just kind of lingered with body issues to my whole career like every other day. Mm, that's mm, really mm, common. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I'm speaking to the dance community because that's my thing, but I know that's common in general in people, mm -hmm, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. As you, you hold this kind of lingering, just not super in love with, you know, but not, not ruining your life over it either. Just, you know. Right. It's just a current continuously running in the background sometimes we get swept up in it taken under and sometimes we don't but it's it's always there until we can right and so like I felt like this um experience really pushed me to reflect and like dive deep into that belief I was holding from a young age and even like I did a lot of work at, in, as time progressed to go back to specific memories of when did this start when was the first mm -hmm. time I felt inadequate in my body when was the first time I felt scrutinized in my body? Um, and like, you know, actually being able to heal those memories and mm. again, forgive them, like accept them that they, that was what I needed to experience to be able to get to this place. So take us to the, take us through what you mean when you say heal these memories, how I know everybody's journey of healing is different, but sometimes when we hear somebody say something in the way that we need it, we need to hear it. It opens up a portal for us. So maybe you're going to say something somebody needs to hear. So how did you, what, what does it mean to heal those memories? For me, it was really perspective and also recognizing, and especially like young memories, like recognizing mm -hmm. that it wasn't about me. It maybe was about the person or the teacher or the peer or whoever it was that was in my life putting that thought or belief mm -hmm. into me and being able to recognize that and release it then from myself where I was no longer the one who looked down at my thighs and felt bad about them and I keep saying thighs because like that's a thing for me so I'm, I'm going yeah there. but this is obviously many different facets of this um mm -hmm. but you know I could recognize like oh I felt bad about that because that person felt bad about it and tried to project that onto me and then I was too young and too unaware at the time to recognize that it wasn't my own. Um, mm -hmm. So, so essentially developing compassion right. for the other person and recognizing that, I mean, hurt people, hurt people. And that person exactly. was hurt. Exactly. And being able to see um, those patterns out, outside of me and not as part of me um, mm -hmm. was a really big way for me to then be able to heal those beliefs and not carry them with me anymore. 
And did you do that through like journaling, through meditation, kundalini, kind of like all of the above? above, Really? Like I've done a lot too of like um, hypnotic uh, meditation work where you, you know, either with drums or with somebody guiding where you get into that deep state where you can then access those memories. Cause some of those things I didn't even remember, like, and this is like, this is, I mean, you know, for example, I grew up with all boys. Like I'm the only girl. And like, I was the only girl since forever. And like I had brothers and then my brothers had friends who were boys and it was just like, boy, uh-huh. boy, boy. I, I was able to, through one of these hypnosis experiences. And I, I can't even remember which one to get into the memory of, being like a little kid in the shower outside after swimming in the lake and all the boys around me have something different that I don't have. And Mm -hmm. I didn't, why? I didn't Mm -hmm. know why. Right. And why am I different? Why don't I fit in with these other Mm. bodies? So early, early on that, wow, I'm, I'm different. I don't fit in. Right. And of course, even though it was a perfectly natural reason, but your interpretation, I didn't even have the words to vocalize it. It was just like an awareness of like, Mm -hmm. these bodies don't look the same as mine. And I don't have a, a, and I'm the only one. Yeah. Because I didn't have a young girl Mm -hmm. model, um, in that, in that moment. Right. And so, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that for me, the hypnosis was a really good one with the memories. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But obviously, Kundalini yoga as well. There's a lot of two Kundalini yoga meditations that particularly bring out memories. Um, even mm-hmm. to me, it had some like dream stuff where things come out that I didn't remember. Um, I'm not a huge journaler, to be real with you. Um, I have like a really wild memory, like I'm really good at memorization. Yeah. And so sometimes I feel like if I, I, I do, I write some things down and I do journal a little bit, but I also like, I really remember things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes I feel like journaling, I can't get it out as quickly as it's coming through. Yeah. And I feel with me, I'm, I'm an air sign, so I can get very, very much analytical, very in my head. And sometimes when I'm journaling, I'm not as free flow mm-hmm as I am in a somatic experience of just like feeling and leaning into, because I choose words. So, Mm -hmm. um, I I think about every word that I, that I write on the page. And so sometimes journaling can actually be a a hindrance to like a free flow for me where, I mean, so that's why I think conversations like this are important so that people realize this tool may come in handy sometimes, but it doesn't always have to be the tool. And there's other ways to, to move through an experience. Um, when I always talk about that, when I teach is finding your toolbox, like, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is journaling at the top of my toolbox? No. Does that mean it's not a valuable tool? No. Is it at the top mm-hmm. of somebody else's toolbox? Maybe. Right. Mm-hmm. So for me, like my toolbox is Kundalini yoga is like right at the top, this hypnotic mm-hmm. work and things like that are also pretty, you know, important for me. Um, one thing that I've resisted so much and is so important for me is breath work, pranayama. Oh my God, I was about to say, have you oh tried breath work? I, oh, I that is resisted, powerful. Resisted, resisted, resisted. I mm-hmm. hated it when we when I started it. Um, but that's been a really big, sometimes even just like taking the right kind of breath, I feel something mm-hmm. relieved. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, um, other tools I utilize would be like little short meditations. Like there's this one meditation I do before every single performance that honestly, I don't even know where the lineage is of it. Um, mm-hmm. My husband taught it to me. It takes 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. I don't go on stage without doing it. 
um, you know, and I, can you, can you, can you take us through it right now? Um, is it possible? I think so. It's called the flower of the heart meditation. Have you ever heard of this one? No. Okay. So, so if you're driving or doing something where you're around big machines, then, then please don't do this. Well, Come back and listen to hard. it. But I mean, you said it's only 30 seconds. So, um, okay, let's do it. Okay. So you close your eyes down and you can start just taking a couple breaths on your own pace and just kind of tuning in. And so how this meditation works, I'll explain it first and we'll try it each at our own pace is you'll take a big deep inhalation in. You can do nose or mouth, it doesn't matter. You'll exhale all your air out and I'm just explaining, don't do it yet. You'll hold your breath out for as long as you possibly can. Now I'm pregnant, so I won't be doing that for that long, but you know, <laughs> in general, you hold it out for as long as you can. And then when you inhale, you're going to visualize right in the center of your heart, a flower starting to bloom. And it, you can be really creative here with this flower. It can be any kind, it can have smells, it can have colors, all sorts of things. Basically, you'll go through that process three times. So you inhale, you'll then exhale again, you'll hold out for as long as is possible for you. And this is personal, right? There's no specific time. And then again, you inhale, the flower blooms two thirds of the way, and then you'll close or you'll exhale. And then again, you hold that third time. And the final time your flower is like totally bloomed and like expressive and mm. shiny. Oh, I love it. Oh, I'm excited. Yay. Yeah. Okay. I'm ready. All right. So eyes closed. We'll just take one breath together. Big, deep inhale. Big exhale. And we'll inhale together, but then we'll do the rest at our own pace. Inhale. Exhale. Holding out for as long as you can and repeating that three times. so beautiful oh my gosh I can't wait to teach that to my kids yes, I've taught it to kids actually while teaching um ballet I've taught them this little trick mm. and they all love it it's such an easy one um and it just like if I'm in the car and I had really bad traffic or whatever like when I park I do that before I get on my car you know mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and it's fun because you can switch up the flower depending on what you need I mean like I said I do it before performance so like if I have a certain role that I know emits a certain quality I'll change the flower um, mm. suit that personality that I'm working to bring so you can really that. play with the creativity of this um depending on what you need thank you for sharing that yeah. that's so beautiful I love that it's a good one um it's it's a great one um and I am very I actually have um uh, 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 an easier time um like feeling and sensing than I do visualizing mm -hmm. um so just to share with anybody out there who might have um you know a challenge visualizing um feeling is it's just as potent and powerful so 
Um, one, a big one I use for it is the smell, you know, uh-huh. like, yeah, really feeling the smell of the flower as you, it, uh-huh. like, um, you know, uh-huh. letting yeah. the experience happen. Um, right. Letting it be a fully, um, multi-sensory experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, depending on how you like it, like if smells not your thing, you don't have to do that, but right. Um, cool. Yeah. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So you are um, an advocate for for self-awareness, for, for self-image awareness, like just being aware of the beliefs that you are carrying mm-hmm. about your body. Are they truly yours? Are, have they been imparted on you because of society or our culture at large uh, because of your experience, right? And and how your life was able to shift and change as you were able to become aware and dismantle some of these beliefs. So let's talk about your experience now as a pregnant ballerina. And I'm sure this is, um, it comes with a lot of charged comments as far as your body changing and, and growing and a world that wants to keep your body very small. <laughs> so mm-hmm. talk about being pregnant and being a ballerina. Wow. Um, it's been such a journey so far, to be honest with you. This was, I've been, we've been, I should say, have been talking about having a baby for a long time. And one of the biggest things that held me back was my career and the impact yeah. it would take my body and my career. Um, and so making peace with that beforehand was a big process. Um, and then, then actually experiencing it. Like when I got pregnant, um, there was all this fear rushed in of like, okay, make sure you stay cute pregnant. Like, mm, make sure oh my gosh, setting all these expectations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Make mm-hmm. sure that like the rest of your body doesn't get all the way. It's mm-hmm. going to go all to your belly and that's it. You got to stay super active through your pregnancy to ensure that happens. Um, first mm. trimester, I was performing and dancing and I hadn't told anybody, not even my bosses and like battling nausea and like almost throwing up, but like forcing mm. myself to just do it, you know, cause it's my job. And, mm. um, and also then like also feeling like I need to keep my body in a good condition for as long. As Isn't I- it funny by the time you get like where you're, you're 26 weeks now and you're like, ha ha, yeah, that was hilarious. Like, I thought I had control over I think that's been the perfect process, right. Of mm-hmm. having all these emotions come in, feeling really threatened by them. Um, also then, you know, it's funny. I have a girlfriend who pointed this out to me and I never thought about it before because like as a dancer, it's just so normal, but she's like, man, if we sent everybody else to work in a leotard every day, how do you think we feel about their bodies? I never even thought about that. And I'm like, oh, that's right. Like, I'm not only pregnant, I'm looking at a pregnant body in a leotard and tights. Mm -hmm. Um, And with, with the history of Mm -hmm. my body in a leotard and tights. So, um, you know, at the beginning I was so self-conscious of like, am I showing? I can't show, like, make sure you don't show like, you know, Um, and as it went on, I really started to just feel like this is ridiculous. (laughs) Like this doesn't matter. Um, my body is carrying and creating life and what Mm -hmm. is important. I'm allowed to grow. 
Well, and I should grow. I should do whatever right. my body has to do to keep that life well and healthy and, you know, developing in the most optimal way. And also I have this strong sensation and, and this is like built over time that like my body will also, when I start to dance again, become a body I remember, you know, like it's like, it'll take time. It's a process. I mean, every dancer I've talked to said it was a year until they felt back to themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, but, and, or even more, you know, mm -hmm. um, which is fine. But the point is that you, you get there, right? Like uh, I will be able to dance and I will, even if I have more weight on my body, that won't inhibit my ability to dance. And then what, mm -hmm. what, what makes a dancer's body look like a dancer's body is dancing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there's, all, there's always this like, um, Stick dancer body workout yeah no what, what does it is working six hours a day in a dance studio and eventually mm -hmm. I'll do that again and eventually my body will look how six hours a day in the studio looks that's it mm -hmm. I mean which might not be the same as your pre-pregnancy body right but will it be strong will it be healthy will it be completely mm -hmm. capable absolutely right so, absolutely so there, there's been a lot of um and then there's been so many people having comments right like mm -hmm. other dancers like asking me like oh aren't you worried or um, you know, how are you going to lose the weight after the baby or, um, and these are coming from like younger, more sure. damaged individuals, like anybody who's really, especially like other dancers I know who have been through this are like the opposite. They're like, don't worry about anything. You're going to be fine. Be okay. Yeah. So, so how do you respond? Because th these are not only comments that come, uh, to, to a ballerina. These are comments that, I mean, I received you know, so many and of j just about weight gain and like, well, how are you going to get the weight off? You know, how much weight have you gained? Right. That's how much weight did you gain with your other pregnant? You know, it's all so much about body and weight. So how have you found a response? And this, this doesn't only, um, uh, apply to pregnancy. You know, if right. someone comments on your body, having a few responses that feel good and empowering in your back pocket can really make a difference instead of you just like, you know, spiraling out. So right. have you found any, any comments or any like internal, like whoop, when that comment comes in I mean, of how to support yourself? Right. I feel like I almost like repeat my own personal affirmation to them of like, you know, I trust that my body is, going to have whatever process necessary for this birth and baby to be healthy and for me to return to my health after you know mm -hmm. um, which is to them but it's really to me as well yeah yeah um, that's beautiful right things like that of just affirming what I really am working to hold as my truth my personal mm -hmm. truth for my body mm -hmm. um, and re reiterating it to them of like this is how I feel about it. You know, like I, I had people, for example, asking specifically about, oh, how much weight have you gained? And, um, you know, be careful, you shouldn't gain too much more. Mm. And just, um, you know, being like, I, I know that I'm taking really good care of my body and, and my baby is healthy because of what my body's doing with it, you know? So mm -hmm. I feel really good. Isn't it just wild how people feel like they have free reign to comment on a woman's weight when, when she's pregnant well, like what is up and then you have 
stop. Then it's crazy too. Cause then you have the other people who project, well, their experience, like, well, I only gained 15 pounds or I gained 80 pounds and yeah. or whatever, you know, um, uh-huh. it's like, none of like, that shouldn't be the question or the first thing we say it should be like hey was your baby healthy how was how was that how do you feel how do you feel yeah (laughs) Yeah. how how does like how was your body's ability to support and develop and continue to develop Mm -hmm. after your baby's out because you're if you're breastfeeding right Mm -hmm. um and and how did those choices make you feel empowered right not like why did you choose it or was it about or I, you know what I mean? Like this, like people take it to such a crazy place where I'm like, why, why is this? And why is right. it so acceptable that we feel like, and there was one person where I did say to her, I was like, why do you feel like you can ask me that? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. You know? Good. She irked yeah. me a little bit. So <laughs> yeah. Cause you're like, and here's the fire. Yeah. Ready. I was yeah. like, you, you have absolutely no, no, no right to comment on my body yeah right now so yeah well I love what you said about um responding with an affirmation um responding with you know affirming how you want to feel because I think when so many of us and this doesn't even have to apply to only a comment about our bodies when when we are triggered by someone asking or saying something that feels hurtful to us we respond on the defensive, mm-hmm. right? Um, we re- we will not respond. We react on the defensive, right? And we're charging that situation, that circumstance, that conversation with more negative energy, right? And if our cells are listening to every word in our body, they're feeling this, this charged negative reaction. But the tool that you've just given us of when someone responds, when someone triggers you with a comment that feels hurtful, take a second what do I want to affirm? What do I want to affirm? What do I want to feel? How can I use my words to paint my world? Right. And to, and and to create a a healthier shift in this conversation. So I think that's a tool, a very empowering tool, a very empowering way to navigate our world and the way that we um, interact with other people. Also in doing that, we're empowering the other person, right. To say, the, the way that you're thinking right now is, is actually damaging, right. you know, uh, not only to me, the person who's receiving the comment, but to you too, right. you know? Um, so yeah, responding with an affirmative type, you know, statement rather than, a def- you know, on the defense is, right. um, I mean, wow. Like let's take what a way to time to work that <laughs> yeah yeah I'm and I'm sure you don't always <laughs> yeah right my, yeah my natural is to like dive <laughs> like I did to that other girl I kind of so it's taken me a while to work that out and try to develop that behavior as the more constant than the other but um mm-hmm. it's definitely rewarding for both you and for the other person as well because also Typically, when you say something like that, they they go quiet. Versus if you defend, you might start a, a cycle, of debate, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and they don't they're not going to debate your affirmation mostly. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I I have a a pretty deep question. When we have these really deep seated like fears, right? If I get pregnant, my body will change. I might ruin my career. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, 
the, the, that is the fear story, right? And oftentimes we are scared to truly open up about our fear, our deepest fear. So we create a mask, another story that we feel makes us look strong. Like I don't, I don't want to have a baby because X, Y, Z, or I'm choosing not to do this because X, Y, Z, when really that there's, there's that deeper story. Does that make sense? It does. It does. I think, um, because it's such a normal and common conversation in the dance world about pregnancy Mm -hmm. and how it'll affect your career. I definitely was transparent of like, I was, I I was waiting on my career. Like I I kept saying Mm -hmm. that. Um, and I was clear about that. I maybe wasn't as clear that I was so worried about my body and my career, mm-hmm. you know, that, that part mm-hmm. I probably didn't disclose um, and just blamed it just on time off because yeah. for, um, for this career, you, it's, you're looking at over a year time off in terms of time away from the stage and then, you know, returning, being able to return to the stage Um it's probably for most dancers it's around a year Um, Mm -hmm. because that's the other thing to keep in mind is that a lot of people can continue to work through their pregnancy and a dancer can't right um yeah so I would blame it on that time of you know lapse that was Mm -hmm. making me afraid um and also feeling like I needed a certain amount of stature in my career before I could step away from it. Be worthy of taking a break. Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. And while I think that in some ways that's obviously toxic, I think in other ways it was really important because like I said, I mean, dance is every single part of who I am in many ways, Mm -hmm. which you can either look at as unhealthy or like completely immersive, right? Yeah, Um, right. And you don't don't have to judge. Right. And so I I feel like it was important for me to feel like really good in my career, um, especially given my history of being fired of, you know, in that time I took time off and then came back and was dancing in like kind of weird places until I got my groove back up and um, really redeveloped my career and rewrote my story. Um, and so I think I needed, like, if I had maybe had a baby right when I was starting that, I don't know that I would have felt super awesome about it. Yeah. Like setting yourself up for an abundant energy throughout the entire experience rather than, you know, one of scarcity of, Oh my God, I got to get back. I got to get back. I got to get back. I got to hurry through this. Right. Mm -hmm. And also, but then also I had this feel that um which again all this can like the dance world is so multifaceted with like layers of unhealthy things that it's like sometimes (laughs) but they're actually you know good for you like we think they're good for you so it's a little psychological Mm -hmm. both ways but it was important to me also that I wanted to get to that place and have my baby while I was in a like still in my career very much so so that because a lot of dancers I see they they try to do it near the end of their career and that looked and then they don't come back. It looked harder to yeah. me, right? Yeah. It looked like, ooh, and or they do come back, but it's really difficult. And mm-hmm. um, I was like, I wanted to be in my prime and in my, you know, feeling really great where I could do that because it was also as important to me to share that part of myself with my child because my career was- Of course, yeah. Right? And I know a lot of people who their parents were dancers and then they, they never knew their parents the dancer, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I've seen the other where the child like sees mom backstage 
stage or on mm-hmm. stage and like sees that part. And that was important to me to want to share that. Um, so there was like a lot of different layers all related around my career where I felt this pressure mm-hmm. of like, wow, I need to get ready quick. Cause I'm, you know, my career will end. So I, I want to make sure I have it during my career. And then, but then also like the fear of like, well, but I also need to be a good place in my career. Like it was like mm-hmm. this, this balance of, of those different fears that I held. But also, also, yeah, like getting clear on a, what are the fears? Right. And then how can I create an empowered vision, a vision of clarity and navigate these fears at the same time. So not suppressing them, but welcoming and bringing them to the table right? and, and having a conversation with those fears and saying what, what actually feels good and supportive and what works. And that takes a level of awareness. Right. And I, and to answer your question specifically about the mask, I think I just, all those fears, I just generalized into career. Like, Oh, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm waiting on my career. You know, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. I'm waiting for the right time in my career. Um, but Mm -hmm. I, I would never go into those kind of details with anybody about what it was about my career that I was contemplating. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. besides with my husband, like he was the only one who really knew like what, because also like he was very much ready. Like we could have gotten Mm -hmm. pregnant the day I met him and he would have like, Mm -hmm. you know, let's go. Um, but you know, he was very patient and, and understanding with me as I navigated those emotions because he knew how important my career was for me. Um, and was, and he honored that. Yeah. He totally honored it. I mean, he would encourage of like, you know, let's look at this. Like, why is this such a big barrier? But never was he like, you know, oh, this is a irrelevant thought or any of those kind of, you know, he was very like, your fears are valid. Just to hear that statement. Yeah. And it's so powerful having friends who are on a spiritual path because we can share with one another Mm-hmm. And that other person, instead of trying to dissuade you or, or say like, oh, no, 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 that's, you know, that's just silly. Just hearing and having someone receive and saying, your fears are valid. Right. I understand where you're coming from. That does sound scary. Um, just being seen in that way right. is so empowering. And it, 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 it feels like grace, you know? Right. Right. And I, I definitely was appreciative that at least I had some places where I could um, put that on the table with like, whether it's my husband or friends of mine who understood the depth of what I was working through. Um, you know, that, that did make a really big difference because it wasn't something I was like portraying to the world or even to like a lot of my close friends, because also like in the dance world, like none of my close dancer friends have babies yet, you know? Um, though it's been interesting because in my company, there's been a few dancers who now seeing my process feel more like, okay, like they, they felt like they wanted to, oh, wait a second. This is, this is possible. Right. Uh Right. Uh Um, so I've seen how that's unveiling some of their fears by watching me go through mine. Um, but you know, that being said, it wasn't like something I shared beforehand of like, oh, we're trying to get pregnant or um, thinking mm-hmm. about this, you know, there was maybe a couple friends I told, but in general, it was very private information. Mm-hmm. Which is that that's also okay, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Which so for 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 everybody listening, you know, Chloe just shared her story of how you know having this dream or, or talking about you know wanting to have a baby. Um, for you, 
the the dream and, and not saying that that was Chloe's only dream, right? Mm-hmm. You have dreams of a beautiful career, which you are already in. Um, but is there something that you want, but you are holding yourself back because of a particular fear? Imagine if you just said, yes, I trust the process. I trust that this path is for me because this dream is within my heart. Imagine if you were to take those steps, how you could inspire others to say, oh my gosh, this is possible. So how can you be a lighthouse? How can you be a beacon of hope and to say, hey, this is possible this dream in your heart is possible. It's okay. Just take the steps. And so Chloe, I want to thank you for being such a lighthouse in so many ways and so many ways and dismantling toxic body image, dismantling toxic messaging around, you know, really um, attaching our worth to a role and um, really, you know, tuning into your essence and your truth. So, so thank you for, for just being such a positive force in this world. I know your message impacts so many and the work that you do and the light that you shine um, just makes the world a better place. So thank you. Oh, well, I mean, I feel so lucky, honestly, and I don't know if luck is quite the right word, but that I'm in a place where I've been able to dismantle these things in myself and continue to, right? Because it's an mm-hmm. ongoing, it's never, it's a work in progress, right? Um, and where I feel comfortable sharing that because um, I, I've seen so many different people impacted by it, whether it's somebody I know or just somebody on the internet who sees whatever post, um, which mm-hmm. I think that that can be such a monumental way to move things. You know what I mean? I've seen mm-hmm. the same vice versa, like seeing your post, seeing your story or anybody who's really in that space of sharing their vulnerable, um, you know, experiences and how that impacts me, how it impacts somebody else. And so mm-hmm. it, it creates a ripple. I mean, vulnerability, openness, putting your guard down and sharing, uh, it truly creates a ripple effect. So Chloe, what does the word miracle mean to you? To be magic, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's, it's that magic, that mystery, that unexplainable, um, you know, science doesn't cut it (laughs) Mm -hmm. sort of definition of, um, of anything, you know, I think that we can, there's miracles every day, you know, uh, every day and every moment there's magic happening everywhere and right. it's, and it's real. Right. Chloe, how can people work with you? How can they be in your energy? What are different ways that people can get access to Chloe? Well, <laughs> you know, it's funny because I've, I used to do a lot more teaching, um, but since mm-hmm. being pregnant have slowed that sure of course good yeah good (laughs) I feel this twinge of guilt um yeah but also I feel great about it because honestly I don't have that capacity to be giving out in such a such a way at the moment though back when pandemic started I put up a bunch of yoga videos on YouTube so my husband and I have our website freshprana.com 
And on freshprana.com, you can get access to our videos. Um, and it's all just free on YouTube right now. Like uh, we've got something on there called Fresh Prana TV and you click in, you get to our channel. We're actually starting tomorrow, a new 40 day meditation challenge, which we've done. We already have three up there. So like, if you want to just do one that we already had, um, but that's basically our YouTube channel is the way we're kind of navigating out right now. Of course, like I'm a huge Instagram girl. I love Instagram. I think mm -hmm. it's an amazing way to stay connected. Obviously it's connected us. So like, right. So y'all, Chloe's Instagram page is just insanely <laughs> gorgeous and just gorgeous in the way it's like, just uh, like all the ballerina stuff and the tutus and the costumes, but also her words and her vulnerability. And it's just uh, a whole beautiful world. So I encourage you to check out Chloe's Instagram, which is um, in the show notes. So you can take a look um, and, and you can find her there. Also, Chloe, you and your husband pre-pandemic led retreats, correct? To India. Correct. And do you think you'll be starting those again? I mean, with baby we and are. everything? We, we have this like strong belief and this would be a whole nother conversation, but that the mm -hmm. baby is very connected to India. Yes. Um, you know, for many different reasons. And so she's coming with us. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yay. We're yeah. I love that. We're going to, we're hoping for 2022 to go back to Amazing. India um, and continue mm -hmm. that annual retreat. Um, and hopefully expand. We were just about to start expanding to other locations as well when mm -hmm. the pandemic hit. So we still absolutely love that outlet and will return to it in whatever capacity um, will manifest for that. So uh, it'll just, you know, obviously we'll have the baby first and transition and right, of course. transition to, you know, before we're starting to feel safe to return with a nice, uh, eclectic group to India because mm -hmm. that's another thing mm -hmm. and we loved how people gathered from all over the world for those trips um but yeah in 2022 we'll definitely try to start getting back at that direction and all that will be shared through Fresh Prana as well that's like our big outlet okay wonderful well Chloe it's been so lovely having this conversation with you a lot of um a lot of good stuff a lot of vulnerabilities a lot of uh journeying and navigating through our own belief system. So thank you so much for being raw, for being real, for just sharing the truth of, of your fear and your heart. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for providing the outlet for that, you know, to continue these conversations with everybody you talk to. You're so welcome. <laughs> Well, that's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in, guys. I hope this episode serves you on your path of expansion. If you'd like to go deeper, check out my free guided meditation to connect you to the wisdom of your spirit guides. Head over to my website now, megsylvester.com, to grab your copy, and I'll see you in the cosmos.